Our reading of God's law today comes from Romans 13, reading verses 12 through 14. Romans 13, 12 through 14. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Please be seated. Note the contrasts in this morning's reading of God's law. The Apostle Paul contrasts night with day. He contrasts works of darkness with the armor of light. He contrasts putting off with putting on. And then he contrasts walking properly, as he writes at the beginning of verse 13, with six categories of sin that are arranged in three couplets. The first couplet is revelry and drunkenness. Now, I looked up the word revelry in a couple uh, Greek lexicons because when I compared different English translations of the Bible, I noticed a lot of uh, variation in how this particular word is translated into English. Um, The definition that I think best uh, expresses the essence of the Greek word in question is the definition that says it's uh, indulgence in alcoholic beverages and accompanying immoral behavior. Indulgence in alcoholic beverages and accompanying immoral behavior. That's revelry, as the New King James puts it. Um, So this first couplet of sins that Paul is listing here is pointing to the type of sins that happen when your judgment discretion and inhibitions are impaired. When you come under the influence of intoxicating substances, whether that's alcohol or recreational drugs or similar mind-controlling substances, when you come under the influence or the control of intoxicating substances, your judgment, discretion, and inhibitions are impaired to the extent that you will do sinful things that you wouldn't do if you were sober. And our reading of God's law is telling us that that is a sin. You are fully and completely responsible for what you do, what you say, what you think while intoxicated. And when you voluntarily compromise your reasoning, your inhibitions, and your ability to make sound moral judgments, you are responsible for the sins that follow. You are responsible for the sins that follow. The second couplet is lewdness and lust. And these two terms together cover every form of sexual immorality, whether it's natural or unnatural, whether it's done alone or with people. It's every form of adultery, fornication, and perversion that God forbids. And you, know, you might question whether this is redundant with the first couplet. It is in the sense that both of them are dealing with sexual sins. But what distinguishes this second couplet from the first couplet is intention and restraint. The first couplet addresses sins that a person would not do if they were sober. This second couplet addresses sins that people are quite willing to do while sober. 
So with these first two couplets, Paul is eliminating any excuses a person might try to give for their immorality. The immorality of the intoxicated lot that he committed with his two daughters is no more excusable than the immorality lot witnessed the people of Sodom and Gomorrah committing. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah cannot escape the guilt of their immorality immorality by saying, I am proud of what I do. I don't see anything wrong with it. Nor could Lot say that uh, escape the guilt of his immorality by saying, I wouldn't have done that if I had not been drunk. The third couplet Paul mentions is strife and envy. Both of these words point to a person's attitude as much as their behavior. Strife is the readiness to quarrel with people. It describes personal rivalries, contentions, squabbling, bickering, fighting, and general discord. Envy is sinful discontent that's aroused by another person's possessions or another person's qualities. If somebody possesses something that you have or uh, that you don't have, if somebody possesses something you don't have and you begin to experience jealousy toward that person or resentment toward that person, then that is the sin of envy. And the reason Paul puts strife and envy together in this same couplet is because envy is so closely tied to strife. As James 4.2 makes clear, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war. The point here is that when envy takes hold of your heart, you're not only sinning by being discontent with the provisions that Uh, and and the gifts that God has chosen to give to you, but your envy turns into strife against the person you're envying. That person becomes your rival. So you begin to murder that person in your heart. You begin to fight in war with that person, whether openly or privately, because you covet and cannot obtain. So if you find yourself striving against certain people, or you find yourself always comparing yourself to certain people in the form of a secret rivalry, then look for envy in your heart because God's word tells us that envy is a catalyst to rivalries and strife. So brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul has given us a series of contrasts in this morning's reading of God's law. Uh, Just as night is the opposite of day, just as light is the opposite of darkness, so is walking properly in Christ Jesus the opposite of immorality that flows from impaired judgment, immorality that flows from a lack of judgment, and sinful attitudes and behavior that flow from lusting after what you do not have. We shouldn't miss the point, and this is important, we should not miss the point that Paul is writing these things to Christians. He identified the people he's writing to back in Romans 1.7 as all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So are you, brothers and sisters, loved by God? Have you been called to be saints? If the Romans, who were loved by God and called to be saints, needed to be admonished 
about immorality that flows from impaired judgment, immorality that flows from a lack of judgment, and sinful attitudes and behaviors that flow from lusting after things they did not have. If the, if the Roman Christians who loved God and were called to be saints needed to be admonished about these very things, then it would be pretty foolish for us to think that we are incapable of these same sins, that we don't need this form of admonishment. We'd be pretty naive and better put, prideful and self-confident to think that we don't need to hear the same admonishment. The instruction Paul is giving us here is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the lust of the flesh. And that's how you walk properly as in a day. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And this reminds us of our need to repent And where the Holy Spirit has borne witness to you of your sin, remember that God pardons and he forgives all who truly repent while trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And because repentance includes confession, we make a practice of confessing our sins to the Lord. And so let's confess, brothers and sisters, let's confess the sins that he has burdened your heart with.